Good morning, good afternoon, a good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to the Better Than You podcast. This is uh, episode 20, kind of feel like a milestone. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy to be here. And uh, for the regular listeners, you might be used to Alex leading us off, but we had like a prior engagement, so we're going to try to hold it down in his absence. So I'm going to go to Ant. Yo, Ant, how you feeling today? Damn. And always be missing in the intros, man. I think that people do the shit on purpose for real. All yeah, right, so it gotta be a thing. It gotta be O'Brien. How you doing, man? Everything is good, yeah, man. It's ready to get it in, yo. All right, all right. So we're about to start this off kind of light because it's definitely gonna get heavy throughout this podcast. But the first thing we want to address is this beef between DJ Khaled and the rapper Tyler the Creator. Now Everybody was waiting for Khaled to drop his album. And uh, just take over the world. Like, just smash. Yeah, yeah. Khaled album yeah. had, like, everybody in the world that you wanted to listen to. From, yeah, it was a setup for the summer, yo. Yeah, so you, you expect they yeah. get at least, like, three or four songs off that shit that are probably going to play all damn summer. You know what I'm saying? Why? So he dropped the album to a whole bunch of fanfare, a whole bunch of, like, uh, all of that shit. And... Tyler, the creator, drops his album the same week. And wow. when the numbers came out, Tyler, the creator, had the number one spot. And for all of his promotion and shit, DJ Khaled came in second. And after that, that lovable DJ Khaled started throwing a fit. Why? Wow. Yo, Brian, how do you feel about how DJ Khaled has been conducting himself? I'm going to be all the way a buck with you, y'all. Like, I was a huge Odd Future fan. You know what I mean? Odd Future, Wolfgang, Tyler. I was with all of the shits. You know what I mean? Like, then I realized, like, I was way too old to be fucking with these dudes because, like, they <laughs> stayed young and I kept on growing older. But, like, I was listening to it a lot because it, it was refreshing. Like, Earl Sweatshirt and them. Like, it was, like, some refreshing, um, like, hip-hop that they was coming through. Even, like, the early days of Frank Ocean and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I could tell you about Tyler and is it's a culture, you know what I mean? Like, he made, he got rich off of socks before he got rich off of music. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a culture. He, he got his fans buying in. Like, I know my daughter's a huge Tyler, the creative fan. Like, just his music alone. Like, because his idols are, like, Pharrell and all the rest of this shit. So, there'd be a lot of, like, music that you, you, you could listen to and, like, these lo-fi um, beat generation kids that listen to lo-fi beats and shit. Like, they listen to that shit. So, Tyler has a baseline. He'll be able to sell regardless that's that's what i'm getting to with this you know what i mean yeah. just on culture alone right but then dude Khaled, i mean he usually Khaled gives us like wild thoughts was last year you know what i mean yeah. when he got when he had rihanna or two years ago when he had rihanna and um and bryson tiller and all the rest of them and he just comes through with a smash and he, he just drops a single Khaled decided not to drop a single this time you know what i mean yeah. so like how he gonna be mad at people being slow to react to his album. Like, he just thought we was going to jump off the strength. Like, what's the single, Khaled? And then you listen to the album, and it's like nothing really stands out as amazing. I like... No, I really like the album. Don't get it twisted. But nothing just... Nothing actually just stands out as amazing. So him being bitter and mad and acting crazy about Tyler, the creator, selling more than him, like, I just think that is, that's an overreach. He should understand what the fuck Tyler the Creator is. 
Yeah, I mean, because um, like like it's funny. I got like a parallel experience with Tyler and the whole Our Future movement. Because at first I heard Tyler and I didn't like him that much. A little bit, he was kind of rapping off the beat, and even yeah, more yeah. than that, it kind of felt he was talking that outlandish shit, kind of like yeah. Eminem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, yo, I, I this this dude is weird. I don't like his shit. But then I actually like sat down and like listened to it, and it was yeah. like. Yo, this nigga can really rap. This kid is dope. And then yeah. I started following, like you said, like the other people in there, and like Earl Sweatshirt. You know what I'm saying? And then when he dropped, I mean, Earl Sweatshirt right. dropped his like Doris album. I played that shit like what is called Doris. I played that Word, shit like it was. crazy. And this motherfucker was like spazzing and spitting. He was a kid, yeah. like you said. They called him. They said he was gonna be the next Nas, and his mom didn't like him. Rapping and shit like that, so she sent him to boarding school. Like, yes. Yeah, so he should have he should have been out earlier than he should have been the biggest one, but he never really got it because of that. All right, go ahead. I mean to cut you. Yeah, and then when he came back, he dropped that joint. Damn it, classic to me. And it seemed right. like he just moved different in terms of he's not the guy going work he want to schedule and like be that type of artist. So he kind of yeah. go by the wayside. But anybody in the knows like yo, that kid can spit, and that's from like yeah. real spitters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, like, yeah. The whole our future movement. It's like you got Sid the kid, like who went on like yeah. the internet and be like Sid and like sing like the most beautiful songs, you know what I'm saying? Why? And then of course like Frank Ocean being affiliated, and then we dropped Channel R, just like shit. Yeah, and yeah. Like you said, Tyler, outside of the music has a whole culture. Like they had like yeah. the Our Future show, and you got the people in their crew that didn't even spit that are getting money for like appearances mm-hmm. at the B places and shit. So you got this organic fan base from. Odd Future and Tyler being ahead of that shit versus DJ Khaled throwing all of the, the biggest stars on different songs and like you said, he ain't have nothing that hit. So it's like what do you expect? And <laughs> and, and the whole thing is like DJ Khaled like he, he used to showing so much love and shit but it was just like weird that he put out like a put out a tweet or IG post like kind of putting Tyler down and it seemed yeah. like his whole like argument is that he had worked out some deal with some energy drink and he was supposed to, they gave away like a, a hundred thousand units and for some reason, like Billboard didn't count them, so he mad about that and it's all reminiscent about oh, damn. Yeah, and it's that's so, so he, that's his big thing, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. his big thing, like those hundred thousand would have put him over and it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Nicki Minaj, but kind of in reverse, how she was mad that she didn't go number one when she dropped her last album because she lost to Travis and Travis, they had like a deal with his apparel or something like that. I forget exactly yeah. what it was. And he, his unit counted. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's, it's a numbers game um, that seemed to have this motherfucking mad. But like when it comes down to it, it's supposed to be about the music. You know what I'm saying? And it's like. Yeah, but God, I ain't going to lie to you, yo. After you just said what you said, you got to think. Both Travis' album was better than Nicki's album. And Tyler's album is better than DJ Khaled's album. And I didn't know that until, like, after this happened, it made me listen to the Tyler album, yo. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I was going to just jump to it. And listen, I downloaded it, but I don't know that I was going to just listen to it. But all this hype made me listen to that shit. And I was like, yo, this shit might be, you know what I mean? This shit might actually just be better than, than the college shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The numbers really are talking, yo. People, like, if you got something hot, people are going to listen. And especially if you got a fan base, yo, like... So that people uh, will be forced to just look at your shit regardless, man. Yeah, and I mean, this ain't the radio era no more. Like, Khaled got a whole bunch of songs that could get on the radio. We pretty much got that stimulus package. 
see like iHeart and all these other places, but it's like Tyler gonna need that radio play. This motherfucker hit a festival. This motherfucker sell merch. You know what I'm saying? He is, or he is, he has become one of like he become like a model of what the artists need to be today. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's uh-huh. just like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, like like Ant, how did you feel? Did you check Tyler album out? I did. How do you feel with it? Like compared to like Tyler shit, just on like the musical thing. I mean, I mean, Tyler's his 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 whole style and what they do is different compared to everybody else. I mean, Tyler should be thankful for anything. I think he should be thankful for, you know, Khaled giving him, you know, free press on this because, like, yeah, if if you didn't know or wasn't aware or anything else of that, Khaled's one of the most popular personalities in the world. For him to say your name out like that, now you're like, who's this Tyler? Like, what is this about? Like, now you listen to him, like, you know what? He's actually really, really good. He just get impressed yeah. by that overall. And the thing of this nature, which is don't really fully understand from Khaled, is that, or Nikki, or most people, like they treat like being number one like a heavyweight being undefeated. Like I got all these number ones. I got all these number ones. I mean, your fans love it. People listen to it and they think it's great. But in reality, you're not. You're never listening to a Khaled project to hear Khaled. You listen to a Khaled project to see who he put together. Um, what kind of artists, what kind of mixes, uh, who these different disparate artists that he put together to try to make some hot. When you listen to things from, you know, Tyler, the creator, from anybody from our future, you're, you're listening to them rap. You're, you're hearing them spit. Like, that's wow. a huge difference. The thing that you run into with Khaled all the time. And like I said, I, I think he's a great personality. I think he's great for the culture. I think more than anything else like that, just like it's a fight he really didn't need to pick. He didn't really need to get into this business about him not being number one or something else like that. It happens. Like, your album was good, and I think, like, having a Nipsey track and so on and so forth and having these artists, it's always going to be a good listen. But yeah. after a while, it just becomes filler. Like, I just, like, all right, it's great for a while, but, like, I'm not going to replay it. I'm not going to hear this person spit that person. Spit. It's like I'm just getting these great, like, rappers and artists in a room together, and we just making music, and sometimes it sounds great, sometimes it doesn't. Now... For Tyler, I think it's like I said, more than anything else, it's just simply great promotion for him. Like he didn't have to raise a finger or say a word, and now he's gained more fans by just doing nothing than he could possibly have ever have done before. I just overall is kind of silly. It's just it's it's ridiculous. Like you don't need to do this. Like you're you're still one of the biggest artists in the world. People will pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars to have you perform. Period. So what's the point of like worrying about this? I didn't get a number one album here. You already had so many. The next one will probably go number one. It's nothing to stress about. So to make and it was a weird. Up. It was it was a weird criticism of um, Tyler too, because he was like, "All right, dude, just makes music and like weird music and sounds and shit. Like, what the fuck does Khaled do? Like, yeah. Khaled does ad libs. You know what right. I mean? Khaled, so like, what what comes, are you saying? You better than him? When it comes down to, I think Khaled is mad because. He did all of the formulaic shit that's supposed to make your music the hottest shit. Like, I listen to Khaled album, and off the top of the head, I can think of at least like three or four tracks where he pretty much took like classic beats and maybe slightly flipped them and had like your favorite artists on it. Like, and it's like, okay, yeah, I already know that. I already know that that melody, or I already know that beat. So right. yeah, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna like this, like the scissor joint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that shit is hard. It's a joint, but I forget what song off the top of my head. I'm forgetting what song 
They like Nas that. and CeeLo is hard. SZA is hard. You know what I mean? Got, he got the meat track where they kind of flipped the yeah. Senorita. I remember something like that. No yeah, yeah. So it's like he had all of that, had all the artists. Oh, you talking about the yeah. – Yeah, so he, so he did – so he had all the formula. He mad because it, it's, it's good music for, like, a party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And shit like that. And I'm also thinking – I don't know if it's like – I don't know if it's – before we get off this, I'm thinking – I'm wondering if – there's something in his contract where he would get like some kind of bonus for having a number yeah. one. Cause I don't, cause I know people have like incentives and different contracts. It makes you think about Clay Thompson in the NBA. If he would have got like uh, on an all NBA, yeah, he would have yeah. got like a, a chance to get the Supermax. So I'm wondering if wow. there's any kind of incentive like Khaled might get an extra million from Epic or wherever he's at and shit or Atlantic, wherever the fuck he is. If he would have like had the number one or something like that, so I'm wondering if it's ego. Probably, ego. I remember when you said that before, and you know, I I don't know, I don't remember whether I dismissed it or that, but mm-hmm. like that's probably true. Like, there's no reason for him to be just hopping out there. Yo, know, even if it is ego, you're not gonna go against Tyler right now. You know what I mean? It can't just be ego. Khaled, I mean, Khaled obviously probably thinks he's he's hotter than Tyler because you don't see Tyler everywhere. You know what I mean? You see Khaled everywhere, on TV, audio, and all the rest of that shit. So I, I get that, but I, I just think um, I, I, I think it's what you're saying. Though I, I, now, now that I think about it, yo, it probably does. There's probably some money associated with being number one. Yeah. So I mean, you know, shout out to Tyler for putting out um, just good music like he has been his whole career, and you know, shout out to Khaled for doing what he does. You know, what I'm saying maybe mm-hmm. next time come harder, maybe hit us with them singles and shit quicker. You know, what I'm get saying? Rihanna and, on the track. Yeah, pretty much. Bring it back. Make sure oh, you got that one banger. Let that shit fucking spin like crazy on the radio or uh, on the fucking like streaming services, and then you'll have your numbers set up to fucking kill shit. But you know, uh, enough about that. We about to get into some real shit because all of that's really petty. So we about to take a quick on. break and then like really get into the shit. All right, so we're back, and um, after getting off of that, Khaled and Tyler beef, that petty shit. We about to get into some real stuff. And we're talking about the civil unrest in this Sudan. Now, a lot of people are hearing about it on like, social media, a little bit here and there, whatever, but after, uh, the pro- after protesters overthrew of the dictator Omar al-Bashir um, some time ago, there's been uh, a press for like democracy. Now, democracy is some hard shit to get when you live in a place where dictatorships have like ruled for so long, and out in Sudan, you have people protesting for the democracy, and you have people with like military backing that are not just doing crowd control or trying to break up the protesters. They are killing people in the street. They are whipping people. They are raping people. They are abducting people. There have been bodies pulled from the Nile River. Like, and it's not just like protesters, like adults. There's been children. So it, it's just the craziest fucking shit in the world, and. I want to go to you, Brian. How do you feel about this? Um, I'm going to say it like this, yo. Like, where Sudan is at, man, it's already kind of nuts. You know what I mean? Like, it's in, uh, it's in the part of the world where they still are trying to figure out where they want to go next with how they want a government to be run, right? Like, to the east of Sudan, you have, like, as soon as you cross the Red Sea, that's Saudi Arabia, right? And you know Saudi Arabia is running all the oil and the car- and they're a cartel and they have kings and princes that do whatever the hell they want over there, right? Then, right, uh, right under Saudi Arabia is Yemen, 
and we already have a conflict in Yemen on top of um, Sudan, it's Egypt, you know what I mean? And Egypt is kind of the closest thing that they have to a democracy in the area. And I think that's what's feeding into, um, uh, into Sudan, because if you guys remember that what Egypt had was, was that, um, that civil unrest that played out all over social media and Facebook and all the rest of that, that kind of turned them into a democracy. And it was like that, that first international civil campaign, like to turn Somalia into a democracy, like in Egypt just fought and, and, and won that shit. But the people in Sudan, what they did was they were like, fuck that. And they cut off all the internet. And that's the issue here, man. It's like, all right, those people in Sudan are for real on an island because the rest of us don't know what's going on there, really, because we can't really get too much good information unless, you know, somebody has some um, close family in there. So you're really getting it off from Instagram or, you know what I mean, Facebook, maybe, you know what I mean? And there's no way to, like, join them for a cause. A hashtag won't work in Sudan because they don't get the hashtags and they're not making the hashtags. So somebody actually has to physically go there. Like those, the, the military, once the military took over, like unless somebody goes in, we can't have this shit. And it would have to be the big dogs in the area, which would be Egypt and Saudi Arabia. would be like, look, man, we can't have this shit. Because if they don't, then them military motherfuckers are just going to keep on doing whatever the hell they want. We've seen that before in the world. In smaller countries, we've seen it before. You know what I mean? It's hard to overthrow a military. I mean, and like you said, it's like hard to get information. Like, I, I took to YouTube to check out something that was about three months old. It was uh, this little uh, a documentary from uh, BBC News Africa, and they were like uh, talking about how they were getting information from like people that were brave enough to like just record stuff on their phone and like right. somehow get the stuff out. And they were showing, uh, they were talking about these uh, secret hit squads that were like pretty much sanctioned by, like, the military. And they said they had, like, some military people. They had some, like, just thugs, and they had, like, police officers. And they said that you got these folks rolling around about six to seven deep and like, white Toyota pickup trucks just breaking up shit. And I was watching some of the videos. They were shooting, robbing, burning motherfuckers. And they were, Damn. like, just abducting people from their homes, taking people out of, like, crowds and stuff just to go torture them and shit, breaking people's hands, breaking their legs, leaving them bloody. And shit like that. So I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like being in America, we got a whole bunch of different struggles we go through. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. It's like over there, it's like the fucking wild, wild west times a thousand and shit. You know what I'm saying? And man, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to like say. And I mean, I pray. I mean, I think the I think I, I think like just to take a step back, like. It's also like an historic area, you know, just in general. Like, Sudan is, like, right on the Red Sea. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, like, so it's just, like, it's it's weird for us to think about and to talk about a lot of times, but, like, it it is what it is, y'all. Yeah. I mean, Ant, you got anything to say on this? I mean, more than anything else, the thing that you realize is that in the history of the world, in regards to the establishment of democracy, there's always going to be bloodshed. It just, it's, it's how these things get sorted out and how they go. I think the point that we're trying to get across to our listeners more than anything else is that this is, it's, it's, it's a changing in history and that, you know, the influence of technology or the lack of it is not allowing us to be aware of, you know, these things that are going on in the world that are pertinent to us, that are pertinent to our history, that are pertinent to, 
everything. Like I said, we were talking about the placement of Sudan and how it fits into that region and how it's important to our global structure. And I mean, they're seeking democracy because they've been under tyrannical rule for over three decades, more than anything else. And the thing that we want to get across is that we want people to be aware. This is the reason why we're bringing up. This is probably a reason why you guys aren't hearing this story in the national news is because sometimes, as Joe said, we get caught up in our limited purview of the world. We're worried about what goes on in social media and our own personal lives. And that these things and these people, I mean, it's it's effective. It affects them. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, her name just escapes me. One of the... Um, women in Congress that we were speaking of. Isn't she Sudanese? Oh, yeah. Damn, you're right. I can't even think of her name. It's not Congresswoman Omar, is it? Is it her? Yes, Talib. No. Okay, yeah. Right, and like I said, and I I mean, I think this is one of the things that she'll probably bring up, and like I said, she's in the national news, and it, it was something that, that would be said, and I mean, like I said, this is her region, this is a part of her world, and even though she's a Sudanese-American person, that is still her home, and I'm pretty sure and she's aware of the turmoil, and I think that it's our job just as people and just as being brilliant guys in this podcast, we just want to let the world and people be aware that, you know, expand your, your, your view, expand it. It's, it's a hard world out there. Like the hell you think that you're going through, you're not in the middle of a war zone where people are being murdered and tossed into the Red Sea and women are being raped. You're not going through that, but you need to have sympathy. You need to be aware of these situations because it's super important. We can't close our eyes to these atrocities that go on around the world, especially when it affects people of color. Tom, not to cut you, but Talib is Palestinian, and then Congresswoman Omar is Somali. Somali. So not, yeah, so not exactly, but I, like, I'm Somali. sure that we'll hear the conversation, though, from them at least. Yes. You know what I mean? Because Somali is, is just, you know, one country away between uh, Ethiopia and Sudan, so... You know, it should be that. The thing yeah, is, like, I might have. Before we like cap this off, like that's something real. Like we all like check out like our CNN and our MSNBC or Fox News on occasion, and we get a little bit of world news from that, but it's mostly like limited to where we at. So I think right. it's always right. important to like try to reach out and look at like maybe foreign news. You know what I'm saying? Whether you have like those channels like real deep in your like cable service or something, or if you can stream them yeah. online. Or take BBC. Take to like YouTube because yeah. one thing I remember like um like years back when I was like a kid like my mother she would go overseas for like um for like conferences for like her job or she worked for some international company and one thing she always told me was like like the news was just different like it was like real yeah I see that it too yeah like bullshit like we get yeah you know what I'm saying so I mean just like the phrase is trash I'm gonna say it like oh stay woke. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. in a sense of like a global sense, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we live in a global society. So, you know, but we about to take it back to the United States. You know what I'm saying? With this. And uh, we want to get into um, Linda Fairstein or Fairstein. It was a fucking matter. Fuck that I, lady. I yeah. We're going to fuck her name up, yeah, though. We about, do that on yeah, purpose. Yeah. She's not fair at all. She's not fair yeah. at all. And for. Um, Anyone who doesn't know who she is, she was uh, the prosecutor at pretty much railroaded, not pretty much, but did railroad um, a whole bunch of young black children uh, who we know now as the Central Park Five. And shout out to Ava DuVernay for uh, making an incredible miniseries 
um, called When They See Us, which highlighted the uh, the story of the Central Park Five, young black teens who were uh, falsely accused of rape, who were um, who had to do years, you know what I'm saying, for crime they didn't that they didn't commit, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. thankfully, with this powerful piece that came out on Netflix about a week and a half ago, Linda Fairstein, Fairstein, whatever the fuck, yeah. she is finally getting a little backlash for being the piece of shit that she was for railroading these young boys. Now, she right. has been writing crime novels for like, a, like two decades or more, you know what I'm saying? And getting all of this money and being held as this pillar of like uh, fucking held as this pillar that's standing for like women's rights and shit like that. And you know, I'm pretty yeah. sure that somewhere along the line she did some good shit. But she did a whole bunch of foul shit that we do know. Now, she is feeling some type of way about being exposed as the trash she is. So she wrote mm-hmm. a little editorial that was picked up by the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Pretty much saying, okay, I'm getting all this backlash, but those boys were no angels. You know what I'm saying? Now, I want to throw yeah. it to you, Brian. Yeah. How do you feel about Linda Fairstein's like, article? I mean, it's all the way fuck her. Like, I- I'm going to be real with you. She brought up the case and she tried to relitigate the case. Um, and she said a lot of things that I, you know, I don't want to bring up because I, I don't agree with her, don't believe her. And she has to accept the fact that she lost. Um, she, she directly attacked some of the, some of the boys and, and whatever. And what you said to me before, before this time, because I, I, you know, I brought this to the table. And she brought, it to the, she brought her editorial to the, to the Wall Street Journal which is the a conservative um, paper. So in case nobody, um, in case people don't know, it's not just business news. There's a lot of editorials in there. They're all conservative. All right. So, and so she brought it there because that's the place that would have gave her some, some shine and some light. And you were right, Joe, man. It's like, I, like now even bringing this up, man, I feel kind of disgusting, like talking about it and like giving her light for that shit. Cause it was some bullshit. She tried to lit- relitigate the case against these um, young, um, these, these five five dudes who won in court, and she added Ava DuVernay to the attack and just tried to make it sound like she didn't know what she was talking about as well. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Did any of you hear or see Ava's um, clapback when she addressed it? I didn't. Go ahead. I did not. Uh, it's escaping. I should have wrote down exactly what she said, but. Uh, but she's oh man, I, I'm sorry for that. But uh, and uh, how do you feel about the whole thing? I gotta give her credit. <laughs> it's fucked up, but I gotta give her credit. Uh, you, you, I mean, you seen the wire, right? Okay, is the conversation that Slim Charles is having with um with Avon when he, he was basically saying like, you know, if it's a lie, we fight on that lie. My favorite quote from the whole series, man. Wait, right. what is the quote? Say it again. The quote, what, 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 I'm, I'm going to step on Ant toes because we talk wire shit. I yeah. can't jump in there. But yeah, please. it was pretty much, uh, uh, man, fuck it. It was pretty much uh, Stringer Bell had gotten murdered, right? But he got killed for some more. Mm. He got killed by Omar and this, uh, and, uh, the, and the, uh, the, the, the Muslim dude, Brother Mizon, because of some foul mm-hmm. shit that he did setting them up against each other, right? Right. And when, when fucking, uh, oh, man, I'm too excited. <laughs> Stringer Bell got murdered. Mm-hmm. They was in the middle of a beef with with Marlowe's people, like the rival, like right. drug gang. 
show where he got everybody ready to tool up and shit. You know what I'm saying? And Marlo people, yeah. they taking um, they taking credit for killing the motherfucker. You know how folks do. Nah, we did that shit. Yeah, yeah. So when Slim Charles sat down with Avon right before they was about to just like go to war, like shoot up the whole fucking like city, right? Fucking yeah. Avon was like, Slim Charles was like, yeah, man, we gonna get them back to what they did to Stringer. Avon was like, yo, man, that was they didn't do that shit. He was like, that was some other shit that I couldn't stop. That was that. And fucking Avon seemed like he was out of it. Like, he wouldn't even try to go to war no more. Fucking Slim Charles said, well, it's a right. lie. Then we gonna fight on that lie. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, was, yeah. pretty much it. You know, I'm sorry, Ann. I cut you all I'm gonna tell you. I'll tell you what Ava said, and then, and then, and then we'll shoot it back to uh-huh. Ann since we dropping on it. Ava, Ava responded to, to um, that Wall Street Journal op-ed with expected and typical onward. Kept it short and see, I forgot exactly what yeah. he said, but it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, you a fucking gutter rat, you gonna be a gutter rat still trying to survive. But we back, back to you, I'm sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> that was a nice little clap back by Ava, but if that wasn't a perfect time to say it's above me now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. think of a better time. That was, that was a perfect moment, yeah. Oh, she but, could have dropped that, yeah, hell yeah, right there. But the thing about about Linda Ferrisine is, is this <sighs> Reyes admitted to it the dna was just his he broke down a crime the scene fits i mean nothing else more to say that i mean that's the purpose and the creation of the innocence innocence project in a different part of the park yeah and, and completely different and like i said she's going to stand on this yeah. because at this point if she just says like you know what i was wrong I shouldn't have done that so on so forth. They, they're going to call bullshit anyway. Like, you should have said that from the beginning. So she has to stand on this lie. Yeah. She should, it was just, like I say, if, if you never understood anything about the Central Park Five, you just literally watched the documentary. You could see that these young men were being railroaded, quite simply, point blank, period. Mm-hmm. The problem that you run into is that you have an overzealous prosecutor trying to put these five young men, and she successfully did, behind bars, almost destroying their lives, and by serendipity, somehow, Someone comes forward and they admit to the crime that these young men did. All evidence points to this one person. She's basically saying like, okay, maybe they didn't do that, but they were in the park and it was a lot going on in the park, so they probably were involved in something else. They they weren't committing any other crime. They were in the park. Of course, it was a wild time in New York and things like that happened, yeah. but come on now. Let that go. Just admit defeat. It's okay. Like, don't stand on that lie. It's all right. And she keeps doing it. I mean, her whole shit is like, let's say you fucking prosecuted someone and put him in jail for like fucking murder and like fucking like robbery and shit. Maybe they stole candy from a corner store and fucking then they kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? But then it comes out that, oh, no, they didn't fucking kill nobody. Maybe like stole candy and left and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, at least these motherfuckers, they're no no angels. They stole candy. It's like, bitch. You know what I'm saying? It's like you do the most horrific shit to motherfuckers. They say, oh, but they probably did something. You know what I'm saying? So it's all bullshit. And it's typical, thing. It's like, like you said, she went to the Wall Street Journal, left that shit. Instead of going fucking, it's like she went somewhere where she would be celebrated, where she would be given yeah. the platform. And at the end of the day, I have no fucking, like, have no remorse. I feel, I feel no, I feel no, I don't feel any, I don't feel bad for her at all. You know what I'm saying? Because no. she did trash shit. You know what I'm saying? And she got to live for the fucking next like thirty fucking years. Became a millionaire, you know, yeah. writing books and being on the boards and like these non for profits and shit like that, and just being like heralded as this fucking great fucking white woman that was a fucking 
saint. You know what I'm saying? And it's bullshit. And I'm glad that she's getting all this fucking backlash. You know what I'm saying? But she deserves wow. it. So it's like, fuck the Wall Street Journal for even giving her that fucking light. And Facts. I feel as though, you know, we gave her enough light ourselves. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. I feel that way too, God. Yeah, man. And and speaking of speaking of uh, the legal system, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you laughing then to the intro. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> speaking of the legal system, the next topic we yeah. want to talk about is chemical castration, right? And more specifically, we want to talk about a law that was passed by uh, Governor Kay Ivey. Shout out to her. She signed in all kinds of great legislation and shit. But yeah. it's, um, That's sarcasm, yeah, folks. That, that's the, that is the sarcasm. That's a sarcastic voice. But she just passed a law that would make it uh, mandatory for any um, sex offender that was over the age of 21 that, that raped a 13-year-old or younger to get chemical castration that's like uh, taking pills or getting shots to like lower your testosterone and your hormones and stuff. Um before they get out of jail. And this is supposed to be like, okay, we take away like the testosterone and some of the urges to, you know, have sex. And this is something that's been, that's, this is something that's in about like nine different states. They have similar laws like this. And um, she's getting a little backlash from the ACLU. Um, Let me just jump in before you get into the ACLU okay, shit. I'm about yo. to take it too far right. and get the whole shit away. Yeah. <laughs> yo, this shit is population control, yo. This shit is the Tuskegee Project again. You know what I mean? Like, yo, like, honestly, the reason that I'm against this is not because I am against doing bad things to people who do bad things to children. I am 100% for that. But we just followed up a topic called with the Central Park Five where those people were innocent. Now, if you start castrating people and you take away their formulative years, like, you can't get that back. You know what I mean? You cannot get that back no matter what you do. And that's the problem with this, yo. They they railroad black people in in a in our criminal justice system. You know what I mean? We we serve longer for the same crimes. What, like 10, 15 percent mm-hmm. longer, I think the last numbers were, for the same exact crimes as white people. So who do you think this is really gonna affect? Who do you think this is really gonna affect when we go in front of a white judge and they tell us uh that we did something and we say we didn't do it? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, nah, man. I'm, yo, I'm against all any type of extra shit that that the criminal justice system can do. I, I'm against that shit. My grandfather used to tell me this shit when I was younger, and it's it probably because of him that put this in my head. Because you know, his father was was um killed by the Klan. They just pulled him out there and, and told him they did something, and then took him. And then his brother the same thing. You know what I mean? And he always just tell me uh, uh, that's why the reason why he was against the um the death penalty, you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't say that's why, he, but he said, he said the reason why he was against the death penalty was because you can't bring back a life, you know what I mean? Because some things you just can't get back because some things you've gone too far, man. And it's like, yo, our criminal justice system, if you look at where we at versus the rest of the world, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy. We have people, we have people serving 30, 40, 50 years, man. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? And, that's wild enough. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's crazy because, you know, the, the, criminal justice system and, and like fucking just everything in America is set up off the Constitution, right? And when they yeah. wrote the Constitution all the way back in the fucking 1800s and shit, you know, fucking mm-hmm. as time went on, they fucking like ratified shit. The first thing is like those first 10 amendments, the fucking Bill of Rights. 
And we think right. about the fucking Bill of Rights. All of this shit goes to the fucking Eighth Amendment. You know what I'm saying? Like, they need to make a documentary on the Eighth Amendment because that's, like, fucking... That's the amendment that says that there shouldn't be any cruel and unusual punishment. It also says there shouldn't be exactly. any excessive bail um, for, like, fucking crimes or certain, like, excessive fines and shit. And when I read that off the fucking Eighth Amendment, I think about Khalif Rider. You know what I'm saying? It's like... yeah. It, it, even even though the fines were like small for like maybe certain people doing well and shit, this motherfucker. I mean, God bless. I'm not gonna call him motherfucker. This brother was in jail for a really yeah. long time because he couldn't pay fines. You know what I'm saying? Before trial, that shit is cruel and unusual punishment. And also, this fucking chemical castration shit is. It, it also, I was gonna try to argue another side of this or whatever because yeah, you know it is what it is. But just the way the criminal justice system is set up, we can't really trust. Yeah, everything is like above board because it's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I took the way this conversation came to me was somebody like I I, I jumped into a conversation with people from Alabama on Facebook Mm -hmm. who were discussing this, man. And and like I I basically said similar things that I just said now. But then then, you know what I said? I was like, yo, and look, this may be paranoia. But my paranoia is justified. You know what I mean? If you're black in America, your paranoia is justified. I have no reason to believe in the criminal justice system. Because when I look at somebody and, and that's in jail, I say, if not for the grace of God, go I. You know what I mean? I could, ju- I could just as easily be there where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm firmly against anything that's altering the human body. I guess just because I'm black and I've read about the Tuskegee experiment, I'm kind of particular about it. Um, it's just a strange law, period, because it's it's limited and it's prosecuted. <laughs> the way prosecutors do it, it's a limited range. Like, okay, so if I do this to someone that's 13, I get castrated, but if they're 14, I'm okay. It doesn't if you're going to do it, you make it like kind of a, a broad based across the board universal law. But I just don't believe that you should have the right or the ability to subject someone to this. It just seems inhumane. Like I said, it just it lowers their sex drive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it would stop and them. That, and that, and that's, as, that's the key. I'm going to cut you for a second. I know that you, yeah. um, you study in college, you study psychology and shit like that. And one of yes. the main things that I've seen people um, against this saying that it's like, yeah, it lowers, like, your testosterone and, like, shit like that, but you could still be a fucking piece of shit and still fucking abuse children or abuse whoever, yeah. even if that shit does happen, because they're not addressing the fucking mind and shit. It's a fucking sickness, you know what I'm saying? Like, people say that that shit isn't even, like, sexual as much as it's about, like, power and just being fucking demented. I'm sorry. Go back to what he's talking about, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I believe it. you're right. Like I said, from a psychological point, the crime of rape isn't necessarily a crime of sex. It's literally a crime of power. Mm. If someone puts their domination over someone else. And I think what people that are sex offenders more than anything else, uh, what people really have to understand that understand that it's a terrible crime and it's horrific, but it's a learned response. No one just comes up and saying that they want to be, they want to sexually assault small children. Most people that are rapists, that, that are the people who are into pedophilia were usually abused sexually themselves. These are people who, you know, I mean, I'm just one of those people who believe that they definitely do need help. They need to have therapy. They need to work through these things, anything else. Like I said, this chemical castration it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to a degree because you're not really helping them. You're, just, you're, you're dulling it, but you're not eliminating it. 
And like I said, this is not like a deterrent or something else like that. It doesn't stop the idea of rape. It doesn't stop it from occurring. It will still occur. Like, this is just like, it's, it's, it seems like a, just a very misguided ass backwards kind of law. Like, like it's you know, apparently someone was trying to get this through for 15 years and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because what are you, you're not really solving anything. You're dealing with a very particular field of, uh, and a demographic of people who commit these type of crimes. I get that, but d- does it really do anything about I, rape? I'm I mean, glad, I'm, I'm glad you guys are attacking it from that angle because I, like, I don't even, me personally, I don't even need to get that far. I'm just saying that once you get to the extras, I'm not with it. You know what I mean? And I want to say this. I want to bring it back to something that you probably feel too, Brian. It's like they make them do this for about a month before they get out, right? And then mm. after they get out, they got to keep up but they got they have to pay for the pills or the injections themselves. And they got to keep up for a certain amount of time, right? And peep this. If they find out that you didn't keep up with, like, paying for these injections or these pills, they will throw you back in prison. And then we know there's a disproportionate amount of us in yeah. prison. So it seems like another scam to keep people, like, locked up. Or, like, it's the recidivism rate. Yeah, they try. You know what I mean? They they love to get y'all back in there. Yeah, they they'd be like, yo, be like, oh, you back? It's like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that just uh, be the fucking cycle. You know what I'm saying? But what up? you know, on the face of it, we look at this and it's like, yeah, these nasty motherfuckers, they did shit to kids. You know what I'm saying? I'd be the first motherfucker if it was. It's, Facts. It's just like locked down and it's like motherfuckers know this shit for real. It's just like eyewitnesses to the shit or like we know that this motherfucker did it. Like. Better than we know anything else in the fucking world. It's like, yeah. like fuck them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let like, them die. Actually, I'm not worried about yeah, I mean, the... kill these motherfuckers. I mean, that that's yeah. that's, the, that's the real shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's like you can't trust that yeah. everybody that's going to have to go through this fucking really. I just can't it. trust that sis. I can't trust this criminal justice system. Yeah, I just don't. So it goes down to that. So after you get like oh. some real criminal justice reform and you do shit the right way. Then we can talk about all these little random shits to keep punishing motherfuckers if that's how we want to go with it. You know what I'm right. saying? But I mean, all, this shit's so heavy, man. I figure we take like a little break and we get back to something maybe a little more uplifting, you know? Visit X. All right. Recently, a uh, graduate from uh, MJ Conrad High School in uh, Dallas, Texas, um, was given a valedictorian speech. Um, a young Arab woman by the name of Ruha. Hagar, I hope I got the name right, you know, God bless. But she was giving a valedictorian speech and everything was going well. But she decided to make a statement on like what was going on in the world during the speech. And she mentioned Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice, two young black children who lost their lives um, to a watchman and to like a police officer. You know what I'm saying? They, we know Trayvon Martin and we know Tamir Rice's names and their losses were tragic. And this young Arab sister that was just graduating from graduating from high school felt compelled to like mention these two to speak out about police brutality and racism. And as soon as she mentioned those names, Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice, there was a signal from her principal, a black man, to cut her mic. And uh, mm. after they cut her mic, they tried to play it off as if it was like technical difficulties and all that. But she wasn't having it. And the world that we live in today, there are always camera phones running. You know what I'm right. saying? So luckily, she got to take her piece of the speech and put it on social media. And 
that speech that she gave was viewed by like a couple of million people at this point. And there's a certain amount of backlash that the school has gotten for trying to quiet this voice that was talking about peace. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, I want to throw it to you, Brian. Go ahead with it. Yeah. All right. So I got like a slight update on that because just today, NBC got um, the school apologizing and then they spent putting their little angle on it. Them saying that so valedictorian um, speeches, they usually get a copy of them and, and review it. And so they know what's there. And they said that this student um, went off script. They said, usually, you know, they said, we, we don't want to uh, stifle somebody's First Amendment rights. But, you know, she went off script. And then, but they still apologize. They're like, yo, you know, in hindsight, like, we, we should have never did it. You know what I mean? We should have never uh, cut her mic off. So they tried to fake like it was it was some failed technical difficulties first, but they know that they got caught, and so now that they're saying now that their excuse is that you know she threw us off with um, some different words in her speech. Either way, man, you can't take it away from these kids in, in this generation, the social media era, because they'll do a couple of things. They'll first hold you accountable, and they are active as fuck. And even if it means, see, activism is different than, than, than what it was in my parents' generation. You know what I mean? Where they would have to sit on, um, sit, sit at uh, uh, benches and all the rest of that shit on, on, on counters and stores. And you know what I mean? It, it, there's no more sit-ins and all the rest of that. They're like that, they don't actually have to physically be here anymore. Activism for them is a hashtag. You know what I mean? Activism for them is keeping somebody's name alive and keeping some pressure on somebody so there's bad PR, you know, and it all affects, you know what I mean? Like, I, there's no way, actually, their activism might be more effective than, it, than the sit-ins were. It may sound crazy to say, but it may be more effective. And these kids, they know who Tamir Rice is. They know who Tra- Trayvon Martin is. And you can't take that from them. You can't take them that from them that they saw the case and they saw it as an injustice that George Zimmerman is out here mugging around in these streets doing whatever the hell he wants to do. They, like, you can't take that from these kids. And you also can't take from these kids that they saw that principal turn off that microphone. They'll hold, they'll hold you accountable for that, too. We know you did it, principal. And so you actually had to come in with an apology. And back in the day, you would have never gotten that. You know what I mean? So I just think, I, I think it's a new generation now. People got to get... Um, get on board and recognize that you will be held accountable if you're going against the grain. Now, it is the cancel culture also. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there are issues with the cancel culture. You know what I mean? Like, you could get hung with the same noose that you created. So, there are issues there. But it's still, you know, there, there's a lot of good that comes from this. And I just think this is another one of those, those good. Yeah, and, and like you said, I want to go back, you said that um, this kind of activism may be even more effective than like people with the sit-ins. And I want to say, God bless everybody that did the sit-ins and then like those front right. lines and like put their own like you know their bodies up people would get beaten and like all shit like that and I can shout out to the people that still do that now that do the rallies and all that stuff but like you said this internet this hashtag stuff is a very powerful tool this stuff right. to me is akin to when um when god bless when Emmett Till's mother let them like run a picture of Feel the body you yeah his body to see that and that shocked the world you know what i'm saying that had, some, to god. That had some people like oh, shit, this is real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I feel as though when people like put certain things on the internet, it, it's like that. You know what I'm saying? It's exposing it to the masses. You know, It's one thing to hear that some people were doing like a sitting, doing a protest. It's another thing to show them. You know what I'm saying? 
Let me show them. And, that, and it's, it's a powerful thing. And we don't always get justice from it. I'm taking it a little further from, from the sister who want to speak out on them. I'm like, talking about like the videos of Rodney King and uh, everybody else. Shit, if she was there for that, she'd have mentioned that too. That's what she was on. You know what I mean? Uh, she, I mean, and, and to, to be on that as a teenager in Texas, um, being like the 18, I'm assuming like 18 year old, seventh grade team, whatever. Yeah. I mean, and it speaks speaks well to like the future. You know what I'm saying? And not even being um, not even being like an African American too. You know what I'm saying? Just other races like embracing it and it's just like going through with it. It's just like it's. I, I love when other people. I love when we do it, and especially when other people keep the names of black people that have been done wrong in this world, especially children. Like keep their names alive. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know what, yo. I jumped the gun. I didn't read the full article, yo. So, so, um, so she is. She showed. She said she showed the speech to the principal, mm-hmm. um, Asma, mm-hmm. Asma, um, and this Joker said remove the names of Martin and Rice, so to to um Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice's names because they would make the speech too political. So he had already. He had already said remove those names. So, she, so he was on he was on it like that. And so now he's trying to come back and be like, Oh, um, we didn't get to see it and uh we wish he didn't do that. But you know, he just caught. Yeah, that makes me even more proud. It's like she fucking yeah. they, they told her they found a sign saying she went up there with that fucking I can't have like a black power fist, but it's like, yo, fuck it, yeah. I'm gonna go for it because this is important. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yo, and how you feel about it? I know you peeped this. The revolution will not be televised, but it will be tweeted, it will be retweeted, it will be streamed. I think in a different time and place, this message doesn't get out because of the expanse of the world. I think she took full use of technology. I think that she was trying to make a bigger point. She She wasn't using them as like a political bait or anything else like that. She was basically saying that of of these things that happen to young people around the world, the war, the crime, the atrocities, the loss of life, we have to do our part to really stand up and be a part of change. And I think that's the point she was really trying to get across. And, and it's really like a generational clash. It's the new guard who are a part of this generation who see these things going on and are, you know, our civil rights activists. They're the ones that speak up. They're the ones that talk. They're the ones that look out. Against the old guard who who, who want to think make things political only really like fits their needs and their ideals and their wants. She was just trying to get across that we need to do a better job of protecting and looking out for each other for our generation. And the older guard wants to kind of interrupt that and say like, no, you don't really need to say that. You don't really need to do that. It kind of goes back to my whole point. Well, a point that Brian made before, and he constantly makes it that like he feels that people that are the youth of America or youth of the world should, whenever they get a chance, run for public office and get these ideas heard and get these things out there. And this is their start. This is them speaking out to the world. Like we're aware of what goes on. We're aware of these injustices and we know that things are what they are, but we want to try to make a difference. And her speech was trying to get across to that. And for you know the principal to say like, Oh, we didn't know. And, He's like, well, I did read now. Like, he read it, and then, you know, he wanted to take out this part because he didn't want to make it political. I'm sorry to tell you this, sir, but we live in a political world. Wow. Everything's the, the things that we go through. The things we we've talked about the Central Park Five for the past couple of weeks because yeah. it's I understand it's, it's a racial thing, but it's it's the problem with the justice system. It's the problem with the politics and the way that it demeans and it destroys people of color and 
of insulting and taking advantage of people of disparate races and sexualities and the things of that nature. We're trying to keep people aware of these things and I commend her for having the ability and having, you know, the heart to you know, say like, I'm going to say this and even though what's cut off, she jumped right on social media like, here's the rest of the speech. I had something to say. I think it's impactful. I think it's important for the world. And she got it out. So if anything that I need to say is that she needs to be commended for the task that she's done. Yeah. I hope she continues to to speak forward in the future. If these are things that she's interested in, it'd be great to have someone out there speaking for people like all of us. And I'll just say this, yo. I'll say, like, I'll use this moment to plug my daughter real quick. Like, yo, I don't... I know you probably... Like, everybody probably thinks that, you know, because she's my daughter, like, we sit in the house... And, like, I drill her with a whole bunch of political shit all the time. Like, I do not. Like, it just wouldn't be possible. You know what I mean? Like, these kids, they aren't like that. But I pay attention. And if you look at the thing, things, like, on her social media and shit like that, like, she's active with what the fuck is going on. Like, when something happens, she knows what the hell is going on. Like, things that have not, not political things that happen overseas or anything like that. But, you know, police brutality and um, ICE. You know what I mean? Like immigration rights, you know what I mean? Like when you know more more and more Hispanics. Like things like the things that affect her or the people that she knows directly, she's politically mindful of those things. And she posts it, which lets me know that it is something that other people in her generation and, and her peer groups have in mind too. And so I just think that that's, that's the generation that we live in, you know what I mean? Like maybe we, we talk about like these the, the president and, and those type of politics and they probably, they look at that like, fuck that, you know what I mean? Like there's a whole bunch of shit before you get there. And I think that's where they're at all the time and they're trying to, re- and they really feel like they, they, they're nothing that, nothing has stopped them from thinking that they can make a change and a difference by putting something out there, putting an idea out there and having an emotion and fighting for it. Agreed. And I just love it. You know what I'm saying? They try to silence this um, young woman, and she would have, if they didn't, they would have given a speech. It would have been a great speech. Maybe she shares it online, and a couple of people see it, and they like it. You know, maybe they share it. But the fact that they try to silence it's like poetic justice. They tried to silence her, and the message just got out to like more people than it would have been like by millions. So I say, God bless her. And all the um, all the all the young people that are really like trying to like, right. you know, make change in this world, you know. And, and speaking of people trying to make change in this world, we go from a young teen who's graduating high school to one of the biggest um, black actresses. Well, she's Oscar nominated, so I'll say one of the biggest actresses in Hollywood now, um, Taraji P. Henson. Um, she was recently on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, speaking to members of the Black Caucus about mental health issues in the Black community. Now, Taraji P. Henson, she founded a uh, she founded a uh, foundation that she named after her late father, the uh, Boris um, Lawrence hmm. Henson Foundation. And a little backstory on her father: she was in the he was in the Vietnam War, and then when he returned from the Vietnam War, he had a lot of like uh, mental health issues and. As we know, as black people, mental health has always been kind of played off. It's like, oh, that yeah. motherfucker, yeah, he's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, he a little touched. Yeah, yeah. You know, and also the, um, and, and that's, that's like still around for a lot of people. So Taraji founded this foundation so she could like try to get past that stigma. One thing she said was like the, the loss of her father and his mental issues and her, um, 
her son's her son's uh, her son's father having like mental issues and dying of getting murdered and stuff like that. She said with all of this stuff, she was trying to find a good psychiatrist or psychologist to talk to for her son, and she found that she really couldn't find anybody that could really like speak to him the right way because wow. as black people, we kind of don't need the cookies. We can't really get with like the cookie cutter like psychologist, no matter how good you are. If you don't really know that black experience, how you need to, you will be ineffective. And I just want to say shout yeah. out to Taraji for founding this, for, put, for putting this foundation together and for being on the front lines talking about this. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah. like rich and famous and she could just be in her own world, but she's speaking for us. You know what I'm saying? I want to know, um, how do you feel about this, Ant? You being in a psychology field, man. I think it's super important. I, I, I advocate for mental health. I mean, even before I got my degree, I always just found it to be extremely important. I think from what I've seen, especially from those from like the lower socioeconomic scale in America and the way that they have to live, the way they have to eat, their surrounding environments and things of that nature, part of me just truly believes that black people just really do suffer from PTSD from the things that they have to endure just to kind of just survive in America. And we don't we don't really find the space and time and place to talk about it. We we grow up in a culture where it's you know it's based around Christianity and we feel that you know we can pray it away and you know we can speak to God and things of that nature. And I understand that, but it it sometimes it just gets to a particular point in life where it just gets so unbearable that you probably need to speak to a mental health professional. I always put it like this for those that don't want to like seek therapy. I always feel that if you have a particular pain in your body, you're not going to sit there and just let it get worse and worse and worse. Eventually, you're going to go to a doctor to try to fix it. If you can do that to your body, you should do the same thing to your mind. And she's advocating for this because she she gets it. And like I said, she she's a very successful, fairly wealthy woman. And like I said, she goes to this. Her family goes to this. These are things that go on. In her life, and she sees it in her community, and she wants people to be aware of it, and she wants us to really do something about it. And it's extremely important, and I'm very, very proud of her, because the, the first step we got to do is that someone needs to take a stand and admit, like, there is something wrong here. There is a problem. We need to find a way to fix it. Yeah. And whatever route that might be, we need to go ahead and try to take it. And one of the first place you to start is your mind, because you need to control what goes on in your head, because that kind of handles all the rest of it. How do you deal with stress? Are you, are you, I mean, I'm not saying all black people need to start breaking out yoga and meditation and stuff. Why like not? That. Why not? No, no, I'm not saying they all should, but I'm saying no, it we should, should be healthy. Maybe I'm we saying, should. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think we should, but I think that if, if you're going to choose, say, between that and getting high all the time, mm-hmm. go, go meditate. Like, like, just try, like, like, don't self medicate. Do something different. Like, because what you're doing right now, and you've been doing it for a while, you're still suffering from mental health issues. Yeah. The plan that you're opting, you know, working under, it's not working. You need to try something different. You need to really focus and clean yourself and strengthen your mind. And I'm glad she sat in front of yeah. Black, Black Caucus, broke it down for them like, the, we need help in this community. We need to do more about it. I'm I'm putting my money on the line. I want to be an advocate for this. And I just want to know if you would. And I believe that they probably are. And I'm so proud of her for doing this. Before, before you get into it, right. I just want to say yeah. that, like, 
Like I believe all that stuff. Like you, like a lot of people, like you self medicate with like alcohol, drugs, and shit like that, or like sex, whatever the fuck we can do to like keep our mind off of like maybe mm-hmm. certain issues that we have inside. And something extra that I just love about just thinking back to like my mother. She dealt with like depression for a while, and uh, she went to a couple of uh, different doctors and some of just like through like medication at her and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Because like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, just like you take this and it'll mellow you out and shit like that. And then luckily she eventually found like a really good like psychologist, psychiatrist or whatever, who was a sister. You know what I'm saying? And the bond was just different. Like that's the one thing I love about what Taraji was saying. It's like when she said she couldn't find somebody as rich as she was, she couldn't find someone that that she felt was adequate enough to like help her son. That's real. I mean, I have a friend whose daughter deals with like different issues and shit like that. And she was going through the same thing, going through different doctors that's like, oh, here's some medication, here's that, and like pretty much doing like textbook shit with her. And luckily, she found someone that was like also a black person, or that actually. And it's not all not all black people even want to be great at it, but it's like a higher percentage if you ask someone that can like deal with the experience that you're going through. And she found that for a daughter, and she actually started going to the same person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you gotta address this mental health. You know what I'm saying? And instead of like medicate and trying to like meditate and stuff like that, and find the right people. And thank God, Taraji is like. Putting this out in the forefront. Now, now you take it, Brian. I'm sorry. All right. No, it, it's all good to be honest with you, yo. Like even when when Ant was done talking, my my first thought was like I had all these thoughts going through my head before this topic came up, and then like I heard you talk, and I thought that was like beautiful, and then I heard Ant talk, and I thought that was kind of dope. You know what I mean? Like and I, I like I feel like I have nothing great to add. What I would say to Ant, what Ant said is is this. Um, I don't really equate it to when you have a pain and you go to a doctor. I think it's more like a dentist. I think it's like you know, like if, if see people may may not realize that a dentist going to a dentist every six months, six months, it could prevent things like like heart disease and clogged arteries and even stroke. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there are reasons to go to a dentist other than you got to get this cavity filled or, or root canal or anything like that. Like going for those regular cleanings, it matters. You know what I mean? But not everybody understands that. But everybody does understand that, uh, dentist, I don't want to go to them. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where psychology and psychiatrists are at right now. And I think what, where they should get to is what Ant was talking about as doctors. You know what I mean? Like so, so that's that, that's number one. And number two is there was this show that came out a few years ago called Thirteen Reasons Why, right? And I had my, I had my you know, my daughter was in, is in high school, and so like I felt like Dad got to watch it because all the kids were watching it. You know what I mean? And so I think I was the first parent to really watch it because I watched it like on day one because like I knew. The kid, like I saw what kids was talking about, like I was just too plugged in, and so and, and so all the parents was like, "What was this about?" And I said, "You'll never watch this shit," because the whole show was about the reasons why this girl killed herself, and you would think that the show was like some kind of like it was a, it was a pretty good show, like the whole show, and you would thought that she was just gonna pop up at the end, like ha, just joking, I ain't really do the shit, you know what I mean? Because she left like 13 tapes for all the reasons for all the people that were the reasons why she killed herself, you know what I mean? And and then in the last episode, like they literally show her killing herself. Like she was just laughing with her friends and she still she had a bad day. 
and she still just went home and looked in the mirror, got in the tub and sliced her wrist. And I never seen no shit like that before. You know what I mean? So like all of that, like I understand mental health and stuff like that, but I never really understood suicide. I think that is a, a generational thing, like more than anything. And I think that a lot of this stuff is planting seeds. I think that, that the mentality of suicide um, has become acceptable. You know what I mean? Like it's become, it, it's, it's become different now than it was when I it wasn't even anything I ever thought about or considered or I didn't know which way to even slice your wrist you know what I mean like I didn't know any of that shit you know what I mean like so watching it like it just really like I was literally shaking I've never seen anything like it before and I told my daughter that and she was like oh I've seen way worse than that and, and, and it was just like after school special type shit and I was like what the fuck like for real like, like mm-hmm. so this is not extreme TV. <laughs> like, because to me, that shit was the most... Ex- like, they showed her parents coming in, screaming and crying. And I was, like, shaking and I could hardly breathe and shit. I was fucked up. Like, this is probably the most fucked... Like, people who know me personally, this is probably the most fucked I've ever been, like, just watching some shit. And I'm like, <gasps> like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know what the fuck I just watched and shit. And she's like, uh, this is nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and so mm-hmm. like I'm like, yo, so so they're planted seeds. These seeds are already planted in their mindset to where they have an idea of this is a thing. You know what I mean? And so we have to fight against them thinking that the world is too big for them. You know what I mean? That 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 it's it's not okay to fail, you know what I mean? Because the number one thing is to fail, especially when you're young, because you're gonna know what the fuck you're good at. You're gonna know what the holes are and the problems are. Cause you know what I mean, when you when you get older, so you can so you could deal with that shit way better than the hell I, I did, way better than Joe did, than Aunt did, you know what I mean? That's the point. And so we want him to get to that point and we don't want him to have to deal with this shit and look at the world and say, damn, this is too big for me, man. I gotta end it. Like ending it is not a philosophy that I want to follow and I don't want them to follow. I just don't want that seed out there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I have a, a, a friend of the family who had a, a daughter who committed suicide when she was like, I believe she was 15. And um, they knew she had like mental like issues and stuff like that, like depression and all of this stuff. And they were getting the help, you know? And yeah. she had a really, really great days. You know what I'm saying? And she had like her rougher days, and yeah. they said that when she when she finally did it, I'm not gonna judge how she did it or anything like that. But when she finally like yeah. did it, it was like after a great day. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, great day with the family and all of that shit. But it was like just stuck in the head. Like I didn't see that. I didn't watch that. Um, so I remember you speaking about it before. Yeah, don't never watch that and, shit. And, never. And, like and, and, <laughs> I remember speaking on it before, but yeah, it's, it's like just crazy. I mean, it's just. I don't want to use the word crazy, but just like just nah, yeah, it's like, it's just yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. And so it's like, thank God for Taraji and everybody else speaking out on this mental health stuff because why? Wow. I mean, it's important. Like the sooner you get someone in there, and if you get the right people, you know what I'm saying, you get the right person that can really like reach the kids or like adults, whoever they're going through these issues, then you have a way better chance of like getting them to see that. This life thing is way too important to like take it for this forever. You know what I'm saying? What I want to get into now is talking about crazy shit going on in like paradise. Now, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, one of their main trips they let it go to outside the country is Dominican Republic. I mean, because it's cheap it's now. Cheap. I mean, it's a I'm still island. I mean, 
I know some folks that go down there just for like the cheap cause. You know what I'm saying? And be there every week. You be there every week. No, I don't. <laughs> Continue. But, but now nah, it, it's, it's been kind of crazy because recently we've been hearing about like strange murders of like tourists and other people, and they kind of uh-huh. like making the news and. And it's not even like just people are like walking the streets. It's like some people are like dying in like all inclusive resorts and shit like that. So it was yeah. like weird. So that's why it was like surreal mm-hmm. when I get like a sports update on my phone saying that David Ortiz was attacked. Was he? Yeah. He was. Was he shot? Or stabbed? I no, he was shot. He like died. point blank brain range. Yeah, he was shot at like. A, you want me to break it down? Break to you, it y'all? down, man. Cause... All right, so look, he's in. He's in this um this bar like thing. You know what I mean? With his man's in them, and this dude comes behind him and shoots him in the back, and he shot him, and the bullet goes through, and it hits, and it hits his man's leg. So his man got shot in the leg, and he got shot in the back. You know what I mean? Now. The there was there was two dudes, one that rode the motorcycle and one dude that shot. And one of the dudes, I can't remember whether it was dude that rode the motorcycle or the dude that shot, but they whooped his ass. <laughs> I'm talking about them Dominican motherfuckers whooped his you you, you see the you see the um picture of him, Ant? Yes, that's yo, where the street justice. Yo, for real, like they yo, honestly, I'm so I'm surprised he made it. Like they for real punished him, man. Like, yo, they punished slime. Like, so you know what I mean? So that that's how that is. And I ain't gonna lie to you, yo. Like, I, I understand that this is a big thing. Like Barack Obama tweeted about this mm-hmm. because, you know, David Ortiz is a huge figure. And uh David Ortiz kind of brought America back together after the Boston bombing, because then mm-hmm. the Red Sox won the World Series and all the rest of this stuff like that. Like, so I understand like I like, understand those angles of being a big story, but like on the slide tip, yo. Like yo, yo, fuck the Dominican Republic, God. That shit is fucked up right now. Like, like you gotta look at it that way too, dogs. That shit was a nice little cheap vacation that everybody was headed towards. Yeah. But now you dying from eating food there. You understand what I'm saying? Like this chicks is dying from eating food in the Dominican Republic. I'm, I'm seeing all types of shit. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, I can't. You, yo, you can't just go there on the humble man. It ain't just about no whores and nothing like that. It's about everything, man. Like yo, people are dying over everything over there. Like what? Oh yeah, um, what? California man died in April at Dominican Republic Hotel Resort after drink from hotel room mini bar. Family says, Dominican Republic deaths. Six American tourist dies during Dominican Republic vacation. Like my homegirl just keeps on posting these shits, yo. And they like back to back. You know what I mean? Like it'd be like one day, then the next day, it's just like mad shit like that. So. For whatever it is, man, I guess the, the, the locals are starting to look at us like lemons now or something like that. I don't know what the purpose of killing us is, though. Like, I don't know what that... Well, I say us. I, I haven't gone. Yeah, I, I, but... I, it's, yeah. it's, all, it's funny. It had been something on like, my bucket list. I know a whole bunch of folks. Like, oh, yeah. Me too. I was headed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's, it's like off. It's off. It's crazy. And yeah. Because like, even like all those like this, all those like weird deaths you were talking about. That shit was yeah. like weird. So that's why it really was like surreal when I saw like David Ortiz was like shot the fuck up there. Cause like you said, he's a big figure. People know him as like Big Poppy. He is He like, was the cherry on the Dominican, the weird Dominican murders mm-hmm. and deaths. He was the cherry on top of it. Because there were people that were ended up missing. Mm-hmm. Then there were people dying of food and shit like that. Like so then like the topper of just being him just getting shot yeah. in a in a regular public big ass public bar mm-hmm. that like mad people go to. Like I don't mean to cut you, but that shit is fucked up and weird. 
Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like, well, you been hearing about this? Have you ever been? Of course I have. You've been. Of course he has. Yes. Well, yeah. was, this, was this for a wedding or was Talk for it up, course? aunt. No, for a wedding. I mean, I'm still going back. I mean, it's... I bet like, you millions, are. <laughs> millions of people visited the Dominican Republic. A couple died. All right, cool. Odds still in my favor. I'm trade. Yeah. yeah, plus you got a couple things there. I get it. Go ahead, aunt. Nah, we ain't, ain't going to get into all that. That ain't the whole point. The whole point is that, you know, you, you, you like, we always talk about people should feel comfortable in their own neighborhood. That's his, That's literally his country. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's, he's like, not the president, but he's like the president there. Yeah. They know him, they love him, he represents him all the time. And for this to happen, it's like, it's 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 kind of sad, but I mean, I'm just glad that he's recovering. It's bigger I mean, than Nipsey. I ain't going to lie. I hate to compare. Yo, Nipsey popped yeah. in my head, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's extremely important to that country as like a success story and everything to that nature. I mean, I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just a wild story. That I mean, you just sitting there, somebody just just popping in the back. You just sitting with your homies having a drink, and like, Fact. you know what? There's not really much you can say about a story. I mean, yeah. more than that. I mean, if 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 he would have passed away, it becomes a whole different thing. Yeah, you're but right. A, you're right. I mean, but it's wild. I mean, I mean, that's how tough he is. I mean, he got shot in the back and it hit his man's in the leg. Like it bounced through his body and hit and hit someone in the lower part of the leg. That's just nah, crazy. my G. That ain't how tough you are. Take it, take it from me. That's that's how strong that bullet was. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that dude came up on him, and I don't know the caliber of the bullet, but that shit went through his body and went into the thing. If it's a twenty-two, it's gonna bounce around in you like yeah, Batman. Man, if it's a nine or something like that, that shit going right through. In and out. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and it's fine. But I mean, one thing else, I mean, easy recovery. It seemed like he's going to make a full recovery, and everything's fine. So shout out, shout out, Big Poppy. Glad you're okay. But trust me, that's not the biggest sports story of the week. Go the ahead. biggest sports story happened. We're going to get into Kevin Durant. It was, and we just avoided the word tragedy a moment ago. You can call this a tragedy. I'm not going to, but. He comes back for game five. He's, he looks a little – he definitely doesn't look like himself, but he's scoring like the Kevin Durant we all know and love. Tries to drive to the basket. Does a little plan. It looks like he, he tears his Achilles tendon. Yeah, it came and, across the screen on ESPN just now. He tore his Achilles. And and it's a, it's, it's, it's a seismic change, not necessarily just in these playoffs because it's obvious that you need him. It's, it's really, really a seismic thing. And basically, maybe for like the the course of the league for the next few years going forward, but yeah. especially for the Knicks. But since, since Brian, I know you feel pretty emotional about this topic. I do. Please, uh, let me say a little something about this. Yeah, just go ahead, man. It's like I don't know if I want to take this. We've all been kind of waiting for like Kevin Durant to pop up. You know, Alex isn't here. Alex said that Kevin Durant ain't gonna pop up if he's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was kind of thinking, yeah, he might come back like game five or six because he's been working hard. And, and Brian was pretty much along the same lines and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's going to come back for this series. And, you know, I thought he had to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes down to it, he probably wasn't ready to come back. You know what I'm saying? He'd been out for a while. And all the, like, the athletes that kind of had the same injury said, like, yo, you be sidelined for a couple months with this, you know what I'm saying? But, you know – after working as hard as he did, being like a world-class athlete, and getting like the best care, people said, okay. His people said it. The doctors, the team doctors, his own doctor, and throughout that organization. Yeah, but Joe, 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 
Joe, did you see the videos from before the game? I mean, he was doing all types of moves and shit like that, like dance moves and planting, and yeah, like he was fine. He was lit. I mean, and think the fact, plus yeah, he was fine. So it's like it's not like he even re injured the actual injury that said he had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like when people tear that Achilles, it kind of be like a freak thing more than anything, right? That's the, the like that in like the ACL tear, like. Maybe they need a body yeah. and it just be like a freak thing. So it's like it's not a tragedy because shit. We done talked about some tragic shit this podcast. Yeah, I guess. It's just Nigga, it's of, not a tragedy to you. Go ahead. Let me just it, right, it, just go. Yeah, it's just kind of like fucked up. And uh, Anthony touched on it about how it kind of changes the league, and that's pretty much a, a thing because Kevin Durant was the is the premier free agent, and there's about like about four or five teams that talked about heavy that might have been like able to sign him. And if you sign a Kevin Durant, if you are a playoff team and you are a contender, if you are not a playoff team in a clutch, you become a playoff team. And if you get somebody to come with him, like everybody figures he would, then you might be a contender from jump. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just, you know, I I feel bad for him because he's a gamer and he's seen a lot of basketball more than like most people even playing the game. You know what I'm saying? And he puts in all that work. So so I feel bad for him, but – it's awful crazy how the league on go. I'm gonna throw it to you, Brian. Speak yeah. on it. All right, so it's like sports is like the break. It's the refuge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we we um we talked about some serious shit. There's always serious shit happening going on. And then you have sports, right? And it's like the thing that everything just seems fair and you know what I mean you, you have teams and you just get to go against somebody and compete and watch these things right and it is it is literally the refuge unless you're a Knicks fan because if you're a Knicks fan right there's no refuge no solace right everybody in the world has an opinion on your team everybody in the world has something to say about the Knicks they may not watch basketball at all. They probably watch. Some people watch two games, think they're an expert. Some people watch ESPN, think they're an expert. Some people, but they have never seen any Knicks games, probably seen two basketball games in the year. And everybody gets to say anything that they want in the world. So for a Knicks fan, big news, like big positive news matters because at least shuts people up for a little while, right? And the big positive news all season long, no matter how our season looked, because we had all these young players, developing players, was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were going to come to the Knicks. Last week, we get the breaking news that, ooh, looks like Brooklyn wants Kyrie Irving. So we're like, all right, fuck it. That's cool. You know what I mean? Do your thing. Brooklyn can have him. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. We still get KD, right? Then KD shows up, and he tears his Achilles. And it's like, yo, what's next? So now what's supposed to happen? Think about it this way. Say if the Knicks sign a hurt Kevin Durant, right? And then trade a whole bunch of pieces for a um for an Anthony Davis. That's Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire all over again. That's a herd Amari Stoudemire getting signed to the max and trading all of your pieces for a Carmelo Anthony. 
And that's what it looks like right now. And so it just feels draining and heartbreaking. And it's like, yo, when you say the face of the, the, the like what happens in the league, it all changes. Yes, it does. Because if, if you were going to ask me right now, what should Kevin Durant do? He probably won't be able to play next season or at least not most of next season. So he should take the, the player option that he has in Golden State right now and get paid his little $35 million before he signs another contract, even though probably somebody will probably give him the max anyway. Like, he should probably just get that free money over there right now. You know what I mean? Hopefully so back for the postseason, maybe you can play some games. That's a fact. You know what I mean? So 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 that's so that's a minus Kevin Durant to the next. And, and, and so, like, I, I, I'm willing to accept that. Like, me personally, and I was telling this to Joe earlier, man, I, I don't mind watching the Knicks if they just draft R.J. Barrett. We have Kevin Knox and, and Dennis Smith Jr. And, and Mitchell Robinson and Damian Dawson. Like, that squad to me, like, that young and up-and-coming squad to me, like, I, I, I want to watch them grow. That's just going to be fun as fuck. But guess what? It's not fun dealing with it after the game and listening to talk, people who've never seen them play before mm-hmm. just say stupid shit. You know what I mean? That's the thing with being a Knicks fan. It's the rest of you. It's like we gotta listen to you talk dumb shit when we didn't win the first pick in the draft, and it was like, and I and Joe knows I've been saying, though, listen, man, R.J. Barrett may be the better player for the Knicks. You know what I mean? I've been saying it, but you know why we wanted to win the first pick for the rest of you fuckers? So you nobody could say anything to us. It was like a slam dunk in your face, like, haha, we got him. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like a win. That's all we wanted. We just wanna, we just wanna shut everybody up sometimes because it's like you're so fucking annoying. Like, you non-basketball watchers that think you're fucking geniuses. You sit and watch ESPN, and they make money by clowning us. Because they, let me just give you some inside information on this shit, right? All right? So there's 82 games in a year, but basketball isn't that, the basketball season isn't that long. So there's a lot of parts of the year where you can't, where there's no story to watch, to write. So the only way that you could get a story to pop is sell the Knicks name. And so half of these writers can pull some shit out of their ass and say any random fucked up thing and everybody's going to believe it because guess what? It's the Knicks and then they write some nasty story and it, it circles around every single media platform for like three or four days and it's fucked up. Like I'm tired of this shit. So I just wanted something to just shut everybody up. And getting Kevin Durant would have been a great thing to shut everybody up. People would have still hit us up like, ah, you're the Knicks, you're still going to suck. But at least it would have been like, ha, but we got Kevin Durant, so fuck you. But we don't even have that in now because Kevin Durant's going to have a torn Achilles. And if we, even if, we, even if when we do sign Kevin Durant with a torn Achilles, it's not going to be able to shut you people up. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, Whatever, Ant, you, you just talk. It is the weirdest thing because people will, like you said, take all their shots at the Knicks. And then after they take all of their shots for no fucking reason, they will talk about how irrelevant the Knicks are. For and at all in the number one media market. In the number one media market, you know, and that's why they throw the Knicks name out there because fuck it, New York matters. You know what I'm saying? We all New York, we all like New York City metro like yeah. people and shit. That's like people gonna throw it out there. And I mean, like you said, I mean, we wanted Zion just so motherfuckers would be like. Oh shit, the Knicks got something. We wanted yeah. Kevin Durant to come with whoever the fuck else, Kyrie or whatever, or just him fuck himself. You know what I'm saying? Just to shut motherfuckers up. But now it's like as soon as this man got hurt, I, I, I saw I saw like someone posted a, a newspaper like cover that said the Knicks lose in uh, game five or some shit like that. Like, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, motherfuckers take their yeah. shots often at the fucking Knicks and shit. They always low fucking shots. 
And I mean, as far as Kevin Durant, you know, God bless him and shit. Hopefully, he comes back from this because this has been a injury that that fucking ended in a lot of folks' careers. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think they said Dominique was one of the best to ever come back from it. Yeah. And uh, and this is the same injury that fucking Kobe Bryant got that pretty much ended his career. I mean, he was a lot farther along and shit. So, I mean, it's like fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, quite simply, I think Knicks fans are going to be upset, but I think they just need to. No, yo, that's bullshit. Knicks yeah. fans are not going to be upset. Knicks fans are going to be upset dealing with the rest of you motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Knicks fans are happy as fuck because we're going to get RJ Barrett. We're going to get our team. It's up, our upsetness is dealing with assholes. Yeah. It's the rest of the people. As I said, right. Nick is going to be upset, but everything's going to be fine. It's it's just a course correction. I don't think that their their game plan was to sign two big free agents, but I don't think that's proper planning. I don't think you go in with one plan. If that doesn't work, I'm pretty certain that the brain trust that they have now, that they have another plan in place, that they'll go a different route, but they're going to do their best to improve their franchise, improve that team, and I can put faith in that. I mean, they signed Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I think that I know it's a devastating injury, but he's a very unique guy. I mean, you basically have a seven-foot-tall shooting guard who can shoot over everybody. He still have a very long extended career just like that. Dirk dragged his ass around for 10 years past when he was done because he's taller. He can shoot over you. You can still get things done. Yeah, I mean, you know no, what, man? I'm not worried about you, that. Man. You, you mentioned Dirk and shit like that, and it's like if Kevin Durant, you know, this is iffy if he's going to be able to come back all the way right. You know what I'm saying? He might have, like, chronic injuries after this. He's already had, like, a little injury history. So it's like, even if we do sign him, he sits out for a year and shit like that, we might get back. We might end up getting a Kevin Durant that is more like an old dirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or he might be beat. And that would just be, like, that feels cool. Like, watch oh, this. Like, yeah, they'll be like, that's, oh, that's classic Knicks and shit because we got a history of – getting, like, big names after they was, like, just fucked up from injury. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that uh, that's also brought us to the NBA Finals both times we did it. So, so, but fuck that. So, listen to this. So, um, so, th- there's also the scenario of this, right? We signed Kevin Durant, okay? And maybe nobody else comes. You know what I mean? And we just have Kevin Durant, and he's injured for all the season. The Knicks develop their players. We got RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, whatever. We end the season may not make the playoffs, and get, like, a lottery pick, right? Then we come in to next season with Kevin Durant, get to sign Anthony Davis in the offseason, and we have a better squad. You know what I mean? So there is a path to light over, over this shit. I just don't want to hear everybody else's voices about it. Yeah. And, I mean, and pretty much, I mean, I feel you on that because when I think about it, the last time the Knicks went to the uh, finals, was, was that 2000? I mean, was that 2000? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it's, it's it's a while ago, but when I think about it, like everybody always beat up on the fucking Knicks, but who's won championships since? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's been Lakers, it's been Lakers, fucking Dynasty, fucking Miami little yeah. bullshit Dynasty, fucking Spurs Dynasty, and uh, the fucking Golden State Dynasty. Yeah. And then you had Dallas take one off of LeBron and them in the Heat, and you got the Celtics. That took one off for like Kobe, and then you got Detroit, which had a really great like team team, but yeah, they yeah. took one off for like the fucking Shaq Kobe Lakers when that shit was in disarray. So it's like unless you like one of them teams that won multiple cents, 
it's like, what the fuck you really do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You had great you had great players, the good players, and you won no chip. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, fucking, that's eight teams that won chips since the last time we went to the shit. Facts. So that's like fucking, how about you talk about these other 21 teams and shit that ain't win shit? Right. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, I think we done beat this shit the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, shout out to fucking Kevin Durant. He's going to be paid. He's a real gamer. God bless him. Hopefully he comes back better than ever or as good as ever and shit like that. But, His acts. I mean, that is what it is. But before we, we, we sign off, and I know Anchi wanted to send out a, a little rest in peace, right? Oh, damn. I ain't got it. Oh, I, All right. So, I mean, I guess you're going to say... Um, a few days ago, um, Bushwick Bill, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's, what's his uh, real name? Uh, Richard Stephen Shaw. He had passed That's away. That's real name? Yeah, Richard Stephen. As far as uh, Wikipedia says, he passed, okay. he passed away at the uh, age of uh, 52. And um, if, you, if, you, if you don't know who Bushwick Bill is, he is uh, the little person, you know, um, that was uh, part of uh, the Ghetto Boys, which is iconic, like, rap. Um, group fucking um, Scarface and them, and you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this justice, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but he, but he had, but he is like part of like legendary, shit, you know, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's part of a legendary group, he told some dope stories and raps, you know, what I mean, and people know him, you know, what I mean, in hip hop. So it's, it's rest in peace to the to the god Bushwick Bill, man. I'm, you know, what I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad he, he got his light and shine when he was here. And then when he's gone, you heard? I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Um, right. I think we held it down without Alex here. You know, everybody stepped it up a little bit. But um, yeah, before we go off, um, hit up our Instagram. It's um, better mm-hmm. than, at Better Than You Pod. You know what I'm saying? We're getting uh, some pretty good feedback here. We hit you with like clips and stuff like that to, to listen to this podcast. If you listen to this whole podcast, and you liked it, you know, God bless. If you didn't, then, you know, fuck it, whatever shit. Let us know we trash. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, you know, God bless. We signing off. Peace. One hundred.